Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week we continue in our series called Pause, and our family pastor, J.C. Thompson, is bringing us a message on Psalm 46. You can find additional resources and our message archives on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood Church app. passage of scripture to you this morning. It comes from Exodus chapter 3. This is Moses coming to God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. That sounds like a lot of people. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? But Moses answered by God, I will be with you, God said. And this is your sign, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. But Moses protested again, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You know, when Mark talked about having a series called Pause, I got excited because let's be honest, pausing is fun. Uh, When you do it the right way, it's fun. You just stop. You get to stop and be renewed. Mark talked about the importance of renewal on the inside and what that means for us. But then I honestly had the thought, like, do we have enough to talk about? I mean, you do pause, and then it's like, okay, that was good. Now, like, let's play again. Like, let's move forward. But is pausing enough? Do we have enough content to even fill up this series? And then as I read and studied and prayed and listened... I realize that this series is probably more for me, maybe than most of you in this room, but maybe some of you in this room will also have something to gain from this series. Let's look, take a look at this picture and see if it resonates with any of you. I think this is oftentimes me. You're zooming, right? You're zooming. You're, you're rolling on the wheel. You are going, going, going. And then you get home, and you're beat. You're tired. You're going, man, I, I did it today. I, I got going. Let's, let's go. And then The next day after you sleep, you get back on the hamster wheel again and you roll and you roll and you roll. And sometimes I just wonder, do we even take the time to go, what's going on in my life? What what is God doing in my life and in my situation and in my circumstances? I mean, the reality is, is we get on the wheel and we get tired, but we don't seem to be making much progress Is progress even something we should be attaining or going after or pursuing? 
I mean, taking a pause seems good, but, but then what? What's the point? So today, I hope that we'll take some time to think about, some time to pause and refocus, not only on our picture of us and where we're at in this life, this rock spinning through space, what's our purpose, why are we here, but also, who is God? I mean, we just sang a song, and if you don't understand what some of these words are about, you, you're missing something huge in the story of who God is, that God is with us. So my hope today and my hope and challenge for you this week is to take some time and pause, to refocus on your own life, to refocus on God and who He is. And because of God, who He is, what should I be doing Start with God, end with obedience. Let's take a moment and let's just pray and ask God to still our hearts and move our eyes and our ears on Him. Let's pray. God, we love You. And we gather here today to hear Your Word. Speak to Your people. And we pray that as there are those in this room who are not your people, that you'll speak to them and let them know that they're loved and that there's a different way to live their life than the way that they're living it. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Now, this is a series on the Psalms, so I need to be honest with you. The Psalms are difficult for me. They're really difficult for me to read. Uh, I'm not necessarily an artist at all. That's not me. I'm not a songwriter or a poet. I'll give you an example of what this actually looks like in my life. I heard it was a good idea when you're, you're trying to help your kids behave and do the right thing to make it memorable by making it rhyme. And so here's the newest artistic version of what I'm doing as a dad. No, 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 we don't throw, okay? That's what I got. <laughs> I mean, it's not much, right? Good principle, it rhymes, so maybe it'll work, right? Uh, my wife is cringing every time I say it in the house. She's like, this is ugh, ah, ugh. Uh, and so for me, that's not me. And so it's, it's, a, it's an effort, it's a work to get into the Psalms. And part of that oftentimes is because we protect ourselves as we go into the Psalms. You know, you read, you, you read the New Testament, you read about all this rational changing of the mind, the thought life, and that's an important part of being a follower of Christ. Sometimes there's this idea that being a follower of Christ means basically setting your brain to the side and believing something that's just crazy, okay? And that's not true. Our worldview is an incredibly intelligent one founded on, on significant evidence that you can go and find. And so you don't set your mind to the side. If anything, what you're trying to do is you're trying to train your mind and also train your heart at the same time. And the problem that I have with the Psalms is that my heart has to be trained. And I'm much more comfortable training my mind than my heart. And so I read these words sometimes, I'm like, I mean, look at this language, just tell me what you mean, right? I don't, I don't have time to get through all, I mean, it's just flowery, like what in the world? Just, just come out with it, right? Where, why isn't Paul writing the Psalms? Just tell me what's going on, Paul. But I think it's important for us to understand that our faith is multifaceted, it's complex, and so when our mind is transformed, it should also transform our emotions, it should transform our decisions, it should transform our words, and so if we lock our heart out when we enter into the Psalms, we're missing a significant part of our faith. So we have to warm our emotions by the fire of experience and devotion and worship. 
And so the psalm that I'm giving you today is actually a psalm that you probably don't know the whole psalm. You probably know one verse in this psalm, but I hope that as we talk about the psalm in its entirety, that you begin to see why that verse that you know maybe needs a little uh, reinvigoration in your mind, uh, uh, maybe a shift in understanding and perspective, okay? So let's read Psalm chapter 46, Psalm chapter 46, and that's on page 462 in the Bibles that we have here at Brookwood. It says this, God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. Now, I just got to be straight up with you. When, you. when you worship like that and then you come in to preach, like you're gonna, you guys are going to have to be awake, okay? Because it's going to be weird if I'm just passionate up here and you guys are down there just quiet, okay? So I'm going to need some help today preaching. Perry's not up here, okay? So you don't get a week off. We're going to keep going, okay? What I just said to you was is God is our help, our refuge, our strength, and he is always ready to help you. Always. Thank you. Okay, that's good. He's always ready to help you. That means even when you don't feel it. That means even when you don't see it. It means even when you can't comprehend it, God is ready to help you. Even when you haven't measured up. God's ready to help you. And so today, as we refocus on God, there's a few things that we can begin to know about God. And we'll start with the fact that we can know His protection. We can know God's protection. You know, we're secure as people of God. Like when you walk into any room or any place in any country in the world, you can be secure in who you are because of you being a follower of Christ. There's nothing that can separate you or make you less than because you're, a, you're in the family of God. And so everywhere you go, you're, you're under God's protection. That doesn't mean nothing bad's ever going to happen, but it does mean that God is protecting you. It's why this psalm was written because it was written to the people of God, that God has chosen us and he has made us his own. We see this all throughout Scripture, God protecting Israel, sometimes in miraculous ways, sometimes in very ordinary ways. We saw this last week as Mark talked about the life of David and how there was a king who wanted to kill David. Sometimes we just say it's just a, you know, just guy wanted to kill him, which is a dangerous thing in the first place. But this is a king with all the resources and all the power to do what he wants. He's trying to kill David. And not only that, but we see God and Satan in a conversation where God draws a line in the sand with Satan to say, this is what you cannot do to Job. God offers that protection to you as a child of God. But oftentimes we run around in fear. Do you believe that no one can do anything to you outside of God's realm of protection? Do you believe that? then do you fear, do you worry, are you anxious when you enter into a place or a situation? Isaiah 41.10 says this, don't be afraid. Why are we not to be afraid? Because God says, for I am with you. I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now, some of you in this room, you might be saying, J.C., sounds good, but you have no idea what I'm going through. 
And that's true to a point. I, I don't know your story. I don't know exactly what you're going through. But I would also just challenge you to say, maybe you don't know what you're going through. Maybe you can't see the whole picture because all you can see is your peace. Maybe God's protecting you from things you would never even imagine. Maybe he's shaping you. Maybe he's molding you. Maybe he's building you up. Maybe he's giving you a strength that you did not have before. Now, let me caution you. If you see somebody else going through this and they're, and they're struggling and they're suffering, don't start with God has a plan. Don't start with that. That's discouraging. Okay? He still has a plan. He's not dumbfounded or surprised by what's going on. But oftentimes it's best just to say, hey, I love you, I care about you. What can I do to pray for you? What can I do to help you, your family? What, what can I do to take a step in this direction? And know in the back of your mind God has a plan. And you watch and you pray and you celebrate when God does something in that. What area of your life do you need to understand God's protection? How can you get some time this week to refocus on how he's protected you in the past? Take some time this week to pause and think through God's protective barrier around you. God sets the boundaries. And if he's good and if he's in control and if he knows it all, and he's looking to your best interest, everything that happens to you has purpose as a follower of Christ. Not only can we know God's protection as we refocus on him, but we can also know his peace. Verse 2, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. And the NLT says interlude. Other translations say selah. Now I want to take a moment and pause and talk through this term that Mark talked about last week, this word selah. It can mean different things, Okay. Let's talk about what it means for Brookwood today. Today it means when the writer puts this in the text, we need to stop and think about what he just said. So we're going to actively do that together. So let's go back and read it again as we think about what he just said. Sometimes the Psalms is filled with this language we don't understand. We forget and don't realize what it's actually saying. So let's take a moment to look at it. Verse 2, so we will not fear when earthquakes come. Anybody in here been in an earthquake before? Was your first thought, I'm not afraid of this. What about when the mountains crumble into the sea? I mean, think about this for a second. I mean, you ever drive up the interstate going north into North Carolina and you see the signs that say, hey, rocks may come down on your head. And they, you know, you don't worry because they built these fences just in case, right? But if that happened, would your first thought be, I feel good about it. I mean, I'm good. You see rocks coming down off the mountain? Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. I mean, we've seen that in pictures. We've seen that in experiences as floodwaters destroy things. The psalmist is trying to get you to understand the earth as he knows it is falling apart. So, you know, we get to these places and we go, you know what? This, this is maybe the worst case scenario for me. It can't get much worse. And then you read what the psalmist says and goes like, like literally the earth is being destroyed before his very eyes in multiple ways with multiple things happening. And then he says, think about that. And then I love this next verse that comes right after the destruction of the world, right? Check this out. Verse 4, a river brings joy to the city of our God. 
in the sacred home of the Most High. Now, what I love about the language here is we just talked about the waters destroying things. What brings joy to the city of God? A river. It's almost like when you go through something that other people would look at and go, that is real bad. That is real bad. And yet, it's almost like that real bad thing is actually what's bringing you to the place of peace. God can use whatever circumstances are happening in your life to put peace in. But sometimes, sometimes we tend to look at what's in front of us rather than focus our eyes on God. It's what we do. We get in the hamster wheel and we chug, 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 and we talk about how hard the hamster wheel is and how tough this is, but we forget God's got purpose for our life and he offers peace to us no matter what's happening in our life. Even if the very world as we know it is being destroyed in front of us, God is offering you peace. Amen. Come on. You know, a, a preacher will get up here and preach if you start amening like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm happy about this. We may not get out on time, but we're going to get rolling, okay? Let's say amen. Come on now. So how do we get that, though? Like, how do we get that peace? Well, Paul talks about this. He talks about this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. All of us have any things, okay? We all have any things that we have opportunity to be anxious about. Let's remember what the psalmist said here. He's talking about the very earth being destroyed right before his eyes. He's talking about mountains crumbling into the sea. He's talking about earthquakes. He's talking about floods destroying things. My anything, which is still very important and still very hard to deal with, is different than that. But Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And this is what I appreciate. Your prayers and your thanksgiving comes before your peace. You already know God has a plan. You already know peace is available to you. You already know those things. So when you pray, no matter what's going on, when you pray, you can thank God because you know he's got a plan. And that produces peace, Paul says. Paul says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which in other words, somebody's going to look at you and go, you're crazy for feeling peaceful about this. Look, the world is being destroyed. Well, what are you going to do about the world being destroyed? <laughs> you going to fix the earthquake? I mean, what are you going to do? But that's crazy. What, I mean, and I'm serious. People want to throw you in a loony bin for how comfortable you feel in the midst of chaos. No one will understand the peace that you have, but you'll have it because God gives it to you. What situation or circumstance is keeping you from seeking peace from God? What is it? How can you take some time this week to refocus on God's peace that's available to you? Not to take a step and come up with this thing and do this ritual, but just ask him for it. Romans 8, 31, 32 says this, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give up everything else? You cannot have peace with God if you believe peace comes from your circumstances. You won't experience it. If you can't see God properly in the midst of hard things, you will miss being aware of the peace that God makes available to you. 
So what is it? What circumstance is keeping you from seeing God's peace? Give that to God today. Not only can we experience His protection, not only can we know His peace, we can also know His presence. And I like this point, so I'm going to be here for a while, okay? Y'all dig in. Put your belts on. Let's go. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. We have nothing to fear. We cannot be destroyed as the city of God, and God is with us. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Selah. Think about that. God is with us. Sometimes it's the withness of God that really separates him from other gods. He's not in a distant, far-off place, unaware of what's going on. He knows, and he is with you. The thing that I love about God is I will never be able to truthfully come to him and go, you don't know what this is like. You're up there in your throne, no problems, heaven's awesome, I'm here on this rock, and it's crazy. No, God knows. Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. God is with us. He doesn't just give us stuff, guys. He doesn't just give us protection and show us his peace. He's with us. He's around us. He's in front of us. He's behind us. He hymns us in to his presence. His very spirit dwells inside of you. There is not an inch of your life that God is not present in. Whether you choose to be aware of it or not, he is there. He is with us. God himself is with us. Single moms in this place. Can I just do something real quick? If you were raised by a single mom, would you mind raising your hand? Praise God. Praise God. Single moms, we love you here at Brookwood. And there are folks who give and give resources and give things to you to help you in what they can. But one of the best things that that we give to families is people to be with them. You know why? Because sometimes stuff runs out. Sometimes there are things that happen that we couldn't plan for, but when you got somebody with you, it makes a difference. There are some folks in here who grew up without dad, and sometimes they grew up without dad even though he was in the home. He would buy, he would purchase, he would schedule, he would lecture, he would do all the things that he needed to do as dad in his mind, but he was not with you. That's not God. God is not giving you counsel from afar. He is present with you. It's different following our God because he's with us. He's always with us. But are we aware of it? Do we know that he's with us? So let me tell you something real quick. I'm not, I'm not from South Carolina. Now, I've been here for 10 years, so I'm getting to native status, okay? I'm getting close. But I'm not from here. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, okay? So there are some things that you have to learn when you move to South Carolina. There's some South Carolina things that sometimes you only get if you're from here, okay? So I'm going to tell you a couple that I've learned in my 10 years of being here, okay? The first one is grits. Now, here's the thing. I did not like grits before. I didn't like them at all. They're bland. 
They're nasty. They, look, they don't look good. But then somebody from South Carolina told me, grits are like a boat. It's not the boat that you're excited about. It's what's in the boat. So grits that I grew up with were plain. No salt, no pepper, no cheese, no bacon, nothing. And th- no butter, nothing. Thank you, Perry, no butter. But now grits are good. They're real good. And I learned, too, there was a, a difference in uh, uh, economics, socioeconomics. If you were poor, you had grits. If you had a little money, you had shrimp and grits. <laughs> but it's grits all the same, right? I'll tell you another one. Now, I'm from Memphis, so I'm going to try not to say anything mean, okay? But barbecue, Carolina barbecue, okay? Mustard and vinegar and it's like cook the meat, let's go, you know? And so I'm not going to say anything disparaging, but I will tell you that the capital of barbecue is Memphis, Tennessee. The world championship of barbecue happens in May, okay? Y'all can come and visit, but it stays there. It's good. Now, I'll tell you the last thing, and this is going to make some of you a little frustrated, okay? But it's true. It's the South Carolina and Clemson rivalry. It is almost better to just pick a team than it would be to not pick a team, okay? Because if you don't pick a team, it's like, what's wrong with you? At least pick the enemy. Don't just sit there and do nothing, right? So I come in as a Memphis fan, and I'm going, listen, I'm a Memphis fan. They're like, no. You orange or you garnet, what are you going to do? Well, I'm a Memphis fan still, okay? But it's, it's a big deal to folks here, and it, it's something you have to understand. So for me, at least, I, I'm starting to get a little bit about what it's like to be a South Carolinian. I wouldn't say I'm there, but I'm getting there. God is with us. He knows us, not just by his knowledge ahead of time. He knows it because he has walked on planet Earth. And he knows what it's like to be a human being. There is no God that is out there, no worldview that claims that God knows the human experience other than our God, Jesus Christ, his Son, and his Spirit. He is with us. The psalmist is so aware of this. We cannot hide from God's presence, David says. No matter where we go, he dwells with us. But do you have an awareness that God is with you? When you show up to that meeting that you hate, do you know God's with you? When you give your children the same talk for the 700th time, are you aware that God is with you? We have to be a people that pause and remember that God is with us. Because if not, we will turn away on the wheel and we will miss God's kingdom moving in our midst. What if those meetings have people who need to hear from God? What if your kids, maybe the 701st time, heard the principle that you gave them and then used it to change their life? What if God is dwelling with you so that you can trust that he's in control and not you? Are you aware that God's presence is here? Are you aware? And if not, how can you get aware? It's going to take some pause. It's going to take some moments. 
Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, we believe, talked about the Lord being with his people several times. In the story of Joseph alone, he mentions the Lord was with Joseph four times. When he went to prison, when he was sold as a slave by his own brothers, when he was forgotten in front of the king, and when his brothers came back, the Lord was with Joseph. In Genesis 1, in Genesis chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 39, in Genesis chapter 46, and in Genesis chapter 48, they all mention God being with his people Israel. So why does he feel absent in our life? He shouldn't feel that way. We've got to look at our practices, our choices, our beliefs, and go, God, help us refocus and figure out what's out of alignment. You say you're here, but I don't feel you. What am I missing and take a step towards that today. I, I want to share this with you. Uh, let me ask you a question. Perry's not here, so please answer me, okay? If not, I'll be embarrassed, okay? How often do you think a person spends on their phone per day, average? I love this because you know what the 9 o'clock service said? They're like eight hours a day. I heard, I heard, I heard in this service two hours, three hours, four hours. Y'all are more conservative, it's about over four hours a day, depending on which research company you look at. Four hours a day. Now, some of you are going, Ugh. and some of you are going, there ain't no way I spend four hours on my phone a day, okay? A lot of phones now will tell you how much time you spend on them. Check that out with trepidation. But this, this, this chart that I'm going to show you up here, this is if they took a 13-year-old to a 79-year-old, basically life expectancy, 66 years of time, and they took the average time that you would spend on your phone and broke it down by activities of what you'd actually do. They would spend seven years and eight months watching TV. Now, as somebody who works with young people, you know I hear about all the time the dangers of the cell phone. You know what I don't hear about all the time? The dangers of the television anymore. You used to hear about that, but now there's a new danger, Right? Well, according to this study, you're still going to spend more time watching television. Five years and four months on social media. You know what that tells me? People feel lonely. And they think social media will fix their loneliness. Now, what could you do in five years and four months' time? Well, you could run over 10,000 marathons. You could walk the Great Wall of China 32 times. You can do a whole lot in five years and four months. Now, some of you in this room, you just want to throw your cell phone away right now. Like, I'm wasting my life. And I would just challenge you, it's, it's, it's a tool like any other tool, but it, you can be mastered by it. Don't be mastered by it. That phone is not your God. And if you're feeling lonely, thank God that you have a God who wants to be with you, who is present with you in your struggles. But you've got to take a step that way. Psalm 145, 18 says this, The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. When's the last time you just said, God, I want you to be with me right now. I need you here with me today. Not only can we know his protection, not only can we know his peace, not only can we know his presence, but we can also know God's power. We can know his power. Verse 8, Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. This psalm is about war. It is about battle. And the psalmist here is describing that the Lord will win the battle. And he will do it in ways that the other army is confused by. 
I mean, imagine you're going to war and your weapons just break. They just don't work the right way. God fights on behalf of his people. We are not on our own. God is fighting on our behalf, no matter the situation. Sometimes, though, he's not fighting against the enemy. Sometimes he's fighting against you. Don't want to get in a fight with God. And yet that's what we do. God sticks to his promises of dwelling with his people. He sticks to his promises that he's fighting on our behalf because his name is on the line. It's not just about you and how much he loves you. It is about that. But it's also about how much his name is on the line. If you're a follower of Christ and you make it known to other people that you're a follower of Christ, guess what? God's God's here. He's supporting you because you just told somebody you're a follower of Christ. He cares about his glory. You can't read Scripture and get around that. He cares about the fact that everyone would experience how good he is. He will make his name known throughout the earth. He's reminding us to remember to watch God work when we are at war, when we are in battle. Watch him fight for us. Then something interesting happens. You get to verse 10. And it's almost like God looks at the psalmist, the author of this passage of Scripture, and he says, hey, you're doing a good job. You're doing great. Now it's my turn to talk. Let me speak. And so he does in verse 10, the verse that you've probably heard before. He said, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. It's always interesting to me that no one quotes that part of the verse. Some commentators believe that this is not a message for God's people. It's actually a message to everybody else. The best translation is, stop fighting against me. I'm God. I will be honored. I will be exalted. That is what God is saying in his word. Stop fighting my way. One day, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. One day, everyone on this planet will have an awareness that God is Lord. Stop fighting against me. And get happy with the river of life. Don't forget that this is not just some burden. Yes, it's submission. It means I give up. I stop fighting. But it also means life. It means joy. It means peace. It's a good life. It's the best life. But when you fight against God, it is not good. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about in this room. Listen to the word of the Lord as he says, stop fighting against me. Give up. Give up. And I love that language. Let me tell you a story in Scripture of what this is like. There's this king named Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat gets a messenger, and the messenger comes in, and the messenger says, hey, there's an army bigger than anything we've ever seen. We're done. This is not good. So King Jehoshaphat, being a good king, he makes everybody pray, and he prays. And he prays, and he prays. And here's what he prays. He says, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking 
to you for help. Another translation says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. If you ever face a situation where you don't know what to do, put your eyes on God and watch him work. So that's what they do. The people of Israel, what they start to do is they, they sing. This group of people who were the singers in the group called the Korahs, the descendants of Korah, they stood up and they sang. And as they sang, someone in the crowd started prophesying and saying, hey, God's going to win this battle for us. God's going to fight on our behalf, and we will not have to fight at all. And so you know what they did? They worshiped. They sang some more. They praised God. And then as they begin to cross that hill, they look over to the top of the crest, and guess what? Everybody's dead. God had confused them with their songs, and they fought against each other, Scripture says. The power of God manifests in front of the people of God. Now, here's what I love. Check out the top of this psalm, the part that we don't read all the time. For the choir director, a song of the descendants of Korah to be sung by soprano voices. The message that God had to that army that day was, be still and let me win. I'm fighting on your behalf today. Your situation may be impossible. It may just be improbable. It may be difficult. It may be hard. But do you believe that there is nothing outside of the scope of God's power? Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Now, some of you, you come in here every week and you go, why in the world do we sing? It's weird. Where else do you go and sing out loud with people besides a concert? The answer is nowhere, okay? And maybe your alma mater singing at a football. I mean, you just don't do that. It's weird, okay? So, 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 I mean, it's okay to come in here and feel weird. It's a weird thing. We do that because we have a rich history. As you look throughout Scripture, guess who was on the front lines of battle? The singers. And they would sing, and God's presence would be ushered into the battle. And God would ride on the praises of his people, Scripture says. So when we get together and sing, it's not just about the words. It's not just about your reflection. It's about the part that you play of bringing the presence of God into this place. And you need to sing. Well, JC, I sound bad. Well, let me just tell you, stand next to me. You'll sound better immediately. But let me tell you, when you sing, you're in a place of vulnerability. It's why it's so hard. Because guess who knows if you're bad if you sing bad? Everybody knows. Everybody knows. You can't hide from it. But you got to get to this place where you go, my participation in this worship is more important than people's opinion of me because I am reflecting on what God has done in my life. And I don't know how you can hear the words to Psalm 46 that was sung by our worship team today about how God is with us, no matter the storm, no matter the battle, and he erases our fears. I don't know how you can be there and go, if you're a follower of Christ, you've experienced that, and you've got to sing, even if it's bad, even if it's real bad. And God is coming, and he is riding on the praises of his people, and he's ushered into our presence because we're singing, and he's ready to roll. And so today, some of you who have no idea about church at all, which I know some of you are in here today, you're going, why are they singing? This is weird. That's why. We just believe that God speaks when we sing, not because of us and our voices, but because of him, and it's what he told us to do. So we do it, and we experience his power as a result. We experience our hearts changing, our emotions being tapped into, and our mind ready to go as we hear the word of the Lord. What's an area in your life that you need to see God's power 
And let me be honest with you, some of you probably can't think of one. You need to figure out why you can't think of a place you need God's power. If comfort is a higher value to you than experiencing the presence of God, then you will not experience the presence and the power of God. You'll experience comfort. Where do you need God's power? Some of you in here, I'll tell you where it is. Not because I know you, but because I know God, and I know human beings, and I know me. Some of you need to start giving. I know the math doesn't work out. It's 90%. How can you, how can you survive on 90% of your income? Well, I'll tell you, you do less stuff. You get to give to people. And some of you aren't in a financial position to give yet. But here's my challenge to you. Are you getting there? Are you taking steps to get to give? Scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not cheerful. Well, then you need to be asking, why not? That's not an excuse for you not to give. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about everything you got. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about the talents, the gifts that God has given you. If God truly is using people to change people, how is he using you? And if you don't have a place in your life where you have God's power being exercised in you, you need to take a moment and pause and ask God, God, why can I not see your power manifest in my life? God wants to use you. He wants to give you that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants to give you the Spirit. But you've got to submit to his leadership, submit to his authority. Some of you need to look at your house, your stuff, your assets, and go, what am I using this stuff for? I had a couple a couple weeks ago. They came out to the ministry spotlight about young adults. They said, how can we host a small group? I said, I gave some information. Then they said, hey, we're going to be foster parents too. We wanted to buy this small house, but then God gave us a bigger house. So we asked God, God, what do you want us to do with that? Foster care came up. So we're foster parents now. We're going to the training. Let me just tell you, there are kids in Greenville County that need some families to love on them. They're lonely. They're alone. They need love. They need people. They need resources. And you got houses. JC, I don't know. I don't know either. But I'm going to trust God that he will give you what you need because that's what he says. You don't get the power until you make yourself available. Are you available? God fills empty vessels, not ones with no room. So you got to make yourself available. Available to God. And last, we can know God's person. We can know God's person. This is the point of the psalm. This is the focus. This is the purpose. And it's this last verse. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us. The point of this psalm is that no matter what the battle is, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, Jesus Christ is the solution. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for you, God with us. The juxtaposition of these two phrases, the Lord of heaven's army and the God of Jacob, is amazing to me because you've got God who's in charge of the army of heaven, angels, who would strike down thousands of men by themselves, a host of heavenly armies that God's in charge of. And then on the flip side, he's the God of Jacob. Jacob was a punk. His very name meant deceiver. 
He cheated everybody. He cheated his brother. He, treated his, he cheated his dad. He cheated his wife. He cheated his boss. He even wrestled against God himself. The power of God teamed with the grace of God and his love for people that cannot earn God's affection is manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. God who won the most important battle ever faced for people, which is the battle to be free from sin's punishment and consequences for not just the life to come, but for this life. Jesus Christ won that battle, and he didn't need an army. He was good on his own, and he came back. And listen, it's not just about the Bible. It's about all the evidence. Jesus Christ really lived. He really died. He was really raised. And if you fight against God and don't give up and don't submit, if you do that, you will still honor God one day. But you will have missed out on all the blessings of this life and the life to come. How can you experience the person of Jesus Christ? Well, we can experience it through his spirit today. Again, it's not outside of us. It's inside of us. The spirit dwells with us. Jesus, in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. You remember that river that brings peace to the city of God? It's straight from Jesus. And it brings peace into our life. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone who believes in him. But he was given a little sneak peek because the spirit had not yet been given. Because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory but he has entered into his glory now and the river of living water is available to you. But you gotta give up, you gotta submit and that's available to you today. Care volunteers, if you'll come to the front for me please. If you're a part of the family of God today, I'm gonna ask you to do something. On our outline, if you'll just take that outline out and flip it over we talk about this sometimes, but I just want to focus on it right now. On the back of that is the discussion guide. I want to remind you of that because it's available to you every week to take some moment in your relationship with God and grow. But I want to pay particular interest to the soul training this week. Soul training. I really would challenge you this week to take some time and go through these exercises. Listen to God. So don't just have time to ask God. Make sure to make enough time to listen to him and hear what he has to say. These questions could change the trajectory of your life as you experience God and who he is. And if you're somebody in here who all this church stuff is foreign to you and crazy, but for some reason something inside of you is triggering some questions that you'd like to ask, that's why these people are down here at front. They would love to pray with you. They would love to know what's going on in your life, and they would love to talk to God on your behalf. Let's pray. God, we love you. You are everything to us. And we worship you. I pray that as we take time to refocus on you, that you will refocus us this week. Help us to pause 
and be aware of your protection, of your peace, of your presence, of your power, and of Jesus Christ. God, make us the light of this world. Help us to love those in our midst and point them towards you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we're able to pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all have a good week. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways you can connect with other Christians here, or if you just have any questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.